0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus was going through a field of grain on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick the heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, See, Your disciples are doing what is unlawful to do on the Sabbath. And he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? How he went into the house of God and ate the bread of offering which neither he nor his companions, but only the priests, could lawfully eat. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests serving in the temple violate the Sabbath and are innocent? I say to you, something greater than the temple is here. If you knew what this meant, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned these innocent men. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. If one reads the Scriptures attentively, there are two statements of the origin and the meaning of the Sabbath and its observance. They are very different and they are complementary. And there's something of this duality that runs underneath this incident between the Lord and his disciples and the Pharisees. On the one hand, as most of us know, There's an element of Sabbath observance which is related to the resting of the Lord after he has done the great work of creation in six days. And it is precisely a resting in the goodness of what has been done. A resting from the labor of creation but also a resting in the goodness of what has been done. But later in sacred scripture, on the lips of Moses, the Lord gives another explanation for the Sabbath and it is this, you were once slaves who knew no rest. And therefore you will not enslave yourselves to labor without rest. And note then the second idea of the Sabbath, that once we were oppressed and knew no rest, and therefore one must rest to continue to possess the freedom that the Lord has given. And in that marking of the Sabbath, it is not simply a resting in the good of what my work has brought me. It is a resting in the good of salvation. And so here now we have this incident of the Lord passing through a field of grain with his disciples who are hungry. And they, in his presence, think nothing of reaching out and picking just the heads of the grain. And to our modern ear, this doesn't sound like real work. This doesn't sound like great labor or great effort. But the religious heart is brilliant at times in the way it can take small things and exaggerate them and privilege them and this was not unique to the pharisees we see it in our own day in fact not just religiously but relationally how many of us have run into the situation where something small has been amplified beyond all reasonable proportion and become a cause of conflict in fact, that happens with disturbing regularity, not simply in our easily offended modern days, but across the centuries it has happened. And so we see here the Lord and his disciples are moving and this other party needs to intervene because it wants to issue a corrective. And so we have the marvelous irony we have the marvelous irony of those who claim to be following the way and the will of the Lord, deciding to correct the Lord. And again, note how if we're honest with and about ourselves, this also can live in our hearts. On the one hand, we say, Lord, I'd really love to follow you, but let's go this way. Lord, I really want to serve you, but here's what you can do for me. And, you know, the heart has this tendency. So it is important as we engage this conflict between the Lord and the Pharisees to recognize that it's a little too easy to tar the Pharisees with the brush of intolerance, the brush of rigidity, the brush of misunderstanding, when, in fact, Our own hearts are equally capable of doing these things, just perhaps in different ways. And so they look and they see something they don't understand, but what they don't understand is the one to whom they're speaking. And this is what the Lord emphasizes. As he turns to them and says, not simply that you don't understand the Sabbath, but you don't understand what is happening here and surprisingly jesus relates this incident of walking through a field of grain with his disciples who are hungry and therefore feeding themselves with king david and his soldiers at a moment of crisis going into the temple and this would have been puzzling where's the debt where's the threat where's king david this isn't the temple and yet the lord in making that point is also saying and yet we celebrate this violation of the rules as something that was right and he goes further and again he equates it with temple service and every single sabbath in the temple the priests who are doing work are technically violating your understanding of the Sabbath. And that is good and right and proper. And again, though, they're standing in a field. And so one might wonder what on earth is the point that the Lord is trying to make here? This isn't the temple. These men aren't obviously priests engaging in temple service. He's not David. They're not the soldiers. There doesn't seem to be a great threatening issue. And this is where the Lord pauses. And he makes this remarkable and dramatic point. There is greater than the temple right here in this field. This is a remarkable statement. As great as the temple with all of its sacrifices and its many worshipers is in Jerusalem, as important as it is for the people, as much as the people, as much as you, O Pharisees, say that God is present in the temple, Know what the Lord is saying. There is greater than that right here in front of you. This is a remarkable statement on the part of Jesus. In its own curious way, this field is greater than the temple because he is there. These apostles who are plucking the heads of grain are as great as or greater than David and his soldiers. They are engaged in an equally, if not greater divine service as the priests offering sacrifice in the temple right now because they are attending to me. What a powerful statement that is. And all of a sudden, directly from the lips of Jesus, note how he answers their challenge. As great as you think all those things you believe you know are, someone greater is standing in front of you. And that is the one to whom you're speaking. And so it comes down to the issue of, you don't know the Sabbath as well as you think because you don't know me. You don't know the service of the Lord as well as you think because you don't know me. You don't know where to find the presence of God as well as you think because you don't know me. And so it is in his insistence, as great as you think all of those other things are, greater than all of them stands before you right now. And then he says, The Son of Man, me, I am Lord. Of the Sabbath Note how powerful this statement is the insistence that if you would know how to mark the Sabbath if you would know how to follow the old ways you must look at me and you must know me and notice what he doesn't say there are a variety of understandings about the Sabbath and this happens to be the one that I practice now, the Lord allows for no variety in that sense. There is one Lord of the Sabbath, not several. There is one lawgiver, not many. There is one Savior, not several. And in speaking that way, now note how the Lord takes that second understanding of where the Sabbath comes from that we had mentioned just a few minutes ago that notion that you were once slaves. And so you shall stop working, and your slaves and your servants will stop working too. You will not oppress them. The stopping of work in Israel was related to the fact that they as a people were afflicted by work without rest. And when they would stop and take their rest, they were also in mercy, they who received no mercy as slaves, they were to allow the prisoner, the laborer, the servant, the foreign hireling, and even the slave, likewise, and their beasts to rest. Note how there's a note of mercy implicit in that you will not be merciless in the demands you place on one another or on yourselves or on those you believe have status less than you. And it is this note of mercy built into the Sabbath which is fundamental and vital. And so the Lord turns to them and says, of all the scripture you're reading, you're reading the wrong parts sometimes learn the meaning of this. What do I ask of you? Not your faithful sacrifices. I want mercy from you. It's not that the sacrifices have no value. It's not that they have no meaning. It is not that they are no good. It is precisely that they have limited good at best when they are not accompanied by and when they do not support and flow from a heart, a mind, and an attitude that is merciful. What a marvelous, marvelous idea that is. And so again, what do we have here? The Lord issuing from his own lips a point of clarification. If you want to understand the discipline of the covenant, if you want to understand the observance of the law, Look not first at its details or its restrictions. Those are not unimportant. First, cultivate the disposition of mercy in your heart, which is the fountainhead of that law and what the law seeks to root in the heart of one who follows it. When we recognize that, all of a sudden we see something else as we look now back into our first reading with the account of the initiation of that celebration that is now referred to as Passover. Because again, in the light of what we have just heard from Jesus, we must recognize what we have here among us today in this place is something greater than happened in Egypt on that night. The Mass is not the product of the Passover. The Passover is the anticipation of the Mass. The Exodus, the parting of the Red Sea, the deliverance of the people, great and wonderful as that is, Is an anticipation of that greater act of redemption that comes in jesus christ later when he redeems us from our slavery to sin and wickedness and death and futility note again the insistence of the lord speaking of the temple you have greater than the temple here In speaking of what he does, you have greater than the ancient Passover in what I am doing. And in this celebration of the sacrament, note how marvelous this is. The Lord through Moses says to the people, you shall put this feast at the head of your calendar and every year you shall celebrate it. But note what happens in the victory of the Lord and his resurrection. Easter Sunday might be celebrated once a year, explicitly, and yet Easter Sunday is celebrated every week, on every single Sunday. And note how in the new covenant established by Jesus Christ, we don't have an annual memorial of our salvation. We have a weekly memorial of our salvation in fact a daily memorial of our salvation note how wonderful that is it is easy to think because it is so much more frequent and so much more familiar it is less but that is not true every time we gather for mass we are gathering in the presence of something greater than Israel knew in Egypt because the Lord doesn't pass over, the Lord is here. We sacrifice not a physical lamb, but the very lamb of God is with us. Note how wonderful this is. Greater than the ancient Passover is the new one. Greater than the Passover supper is the Lord's supper, celebrated every day on these altars. Note how marvelous that is. And this is why, in a very real way, we in the church do not actually have a Sabbath. We have the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day, the day of his victory. The day of salvation. The day when life overcomes death. Our weekly pause where we lay aside servile work is not merely following the ancient Sabbath. It is something greater than that. Because it is a day of resting in the great work of salvation that God has won for us. Note how wondrous that is. Note how important that is. And it is only good and only right because he indeed is Lord of the Sabbath. Oftentimes among the faithful, there is a well-intentioned but misguided desire to reduce what we do to the things of the old. And it's not that the things of the old are bad. It just reverses the issue. They're at the service. They're the anticipations of the new and the greater. And they have their full meaning when we recognize the greater. And in the light of the greater, we can see and appreciate their full value. Note how wondrous it is. Here in this place, there is greater than the temple. Here in this place is the Lord of the Sabbath. And in just a few minutes, We'll come forward, we'll open our mouths, we'll stretch out our hands. And note how great this is. Even Moses never got to touch God in the way that we will. Even Moses never got to receive God in the way we will. Nor did David, nor did the priests who served in the temple. And yet we like those apostles. In the eyes of the world, nobody. We get to do this. How exquisitely wonderful indeed. Amen.